Hello, and welcome to the China Gaming Federation podcast. My name is Charlie, and I'm joined with Austin, who is abroad back in China, 8,000 miles away from where I am in the United States. And this is our first podcast recorded in 2021. And it's actually our first podcast recorded together since November 2019, before the coronavirus pandemic. Correct. So this time we're talking about our favorite games of 2020 and some of the most talked about games of 2020. Right. We've done this kind of annual review, I think, four or five years in a row now. So although it is the beginning of February, we had to do a you know best games of 2020 kind of look back. So that's what this podcast is. We're looking forward to talking about some of our favorite games we played over the course of 2020. And to clarify one thing, this is not like a best of the year. You know, we're not necessarily spending most of the time talking about games that things like the Game Awards would talk about. Um, some of those games, neither of us have even completed, like Last of Us 2, which is a much talked about game in 2020. So we'll just wing it and have a good time talking about our favorite games from the last year. Right. I mean, uh, obviously, there were a few uh, very notable releases this last year. But, you know, our gaming habits have been, you know, far from, you know, the typical I mean, it's been a very abnormal year, to say the least, you know, so uh, I know... Yeah, that's right. Nothing typical about the last year. Right. You actually uh, played less games than usual, I think, this past year, right? Oh, way less, way less. Yeah. I mean, if you go back to this podcast a year ago, where we talk about our favorite games from 2019, the list of games which I completed was like at least a couple dozen. And this year, it was like not even half a dozen. Right. So, yeah, I mean, a lot less time playing games. Also, you know, many of the most anticipated releases of the year were delayed or didn't come out. So, I mean, it was kind of an off year for gaming, as 2019 was as well. Yeah, yeah. So a bit of a strange year for everybody, I guess. But um, I did enjoy the games I played, and I kind of spent a lot more time playing games which I had already finished or or I'm, I may never finish. <laughs> So, um, you know, games like Into the Breach, uh, Slay the Spire, you know, really time consuming Dead Cells, you know, games like that, which I've finished all those, I think, um, but I continue to play them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I got sucked back into Play Gank again this past year, you know, which has been out for ages. Uh, I got into it, you know, for obvious reasons with, uh, you know, <laughs> the whole virus situation. Uh, it did have. Uh, yeah, that's in season. Yeah. It did have the Cure DLC come out, I think, late last year, but I didn't start playing it until um, this year. It's fun. It switches up the game quite a bit. But, um, you know, let's, let's talk about... Let's start about... with that. That's a good game to start okay. on. Tell me about um, that. So Play Gink has an update. Last time I played it was with you on the beaches of Cambodia a year ago, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's... Uh, it, it really kind of changes the dynamic, you know, uh, obviously, you know, from the title, you can tell that it's, um, you know, you are trying to cure the the plague rather than cause it. Uh, with this, there's a whole bunch of other kind of dynamics that play into it. You know, you're trying to keep the, uh, the people calm. You're trying to, you know, maintain authority so that people listen to what sort of things you know, you play out like uh, maybe you you start trying to get extra staff for hospitals or thing, but like the non-compliance levels have gone up. So it takes time to roll out, you know, changes that you've made, uh, things like that. It, it, it really kind of, you know, changes the game up enough to to make it 
fresh and interesting again, personally, in my opinion. I've been, you know, kind of obsessed with it the last few days and have almost beaten it. I'm on uh, the final, you know, uh, strain of plagues or whatever, the last one uh, before I'll have beaten it with everyone. That's great that they capitalize on the opportunity to do a big update for that game. Right. There's a lot of interesting, you know, politics around making a game like Plague Inc., which um, our friend Ryan has gone through. I've recorded a couple of podcasts with him, a couple of episodes on this podcast about game development in Chengdu. And subsequent to our last episode, Ryan developed a game very similar to Plague Inc., where you're trying to, uh, you know, mitigate the damage done by a pandemic. So it sounds a lot like what you just described, where it's like you're marshalling resources to, you know, provide public health services and, um, you know, quarantine people and you're doing that sort of stuff. One of the things he noticed as he was coming to the final lap of finishing the game is that app stores wouldn't accept his submission on the basis that it was sort of profiting off of a tragedy. So you'll notice that games which feature these sort of pandemic mechanics I mean, there should have been like a huge surge of them, but there hasn't been because they're not accepted into the app stores like Google Play and the iOS app store. But Play Gink somehow has this like special, well, Play Gink is like a very high profile game and it obviously was not made to profit from tragedy because it was made before the pandemic. I mean, like a number of years before. Also, Play Gink has like some pretty high level partnerships. I mean, I think they've worked with the World Health Organization or definitely the CDC. So, I mean, they've cooperated with, like, the highest level of public health authorities, which gives them, like, a lot of legitimacy. It's not like they're just some, you know, opportunistic studio trying to cash in. So, anyway, as we talk about uh, favorite games of 2020, let's just go over. I know you have a list of games you completed in 2020. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 uh, I kind of want I took some notes on some games that I, you know, spent a lot of time playing this last year on games that actually released last year so i'd like to uh you know start out with those and then i can read off a few of the games you know the list of games that i beat but uh i'd like to start out with like some of the games that i personally think you know deserve some highlighting um and uh you know uh you know the first of those games is risk of rain 2 I spent a good amount of time, you know, during quarantine, just kind of getting into that. I played with some of the guys in CGF online with it. It's, uh, I don't know, man, it's just such a cool, they transitioned the game from 2D to 3D. So, you know, just, they did a really good job of it. It it has a great aesthetic. It's got, um... Let's see, it's got 10 survivors, more than 110 items. They've just been kind of continually adding to it over time. Uh, it was officially released. Can you describe the game? What, what's the game of, about? Okay, so it's a 3D adaptation of the first one, which is a 2D roguelike where you're kind of, you know, the longer you're in a world, the more uh, enemies spawn in. They just... It, it basically the difficulty of the game the longer you're in a run 
goes from easy to medium to difficult to nightmare or whatever. It continually goes up. The enemies that spawn and everything uh, get harder. It's just it's it's an interesting dynamic, you know. It p- encourages you to to try to speed run it, you know, similar to say like Dead Cells or something, yeah. where you get rewards for doing it faster. Uh-huh. Uh, it was the team is a. Uh, it's Hopu Games, which is two students from the University of Washington, Paul Morse and Duncan Drummond. And it was published by Gear Gearbox and a third guy, Chris Chris Todolu. He uh he made the soundtrack. It's got a cool soundtrack, but it's really impressive that they were able to do such a polished job adapting the first one it's aesthetic and everything to uh, 3d with such a small team um it was randomly generated levels huh uh yeah randomly generated levels it it, it's uh not entirely random uh it's like you know the first and the second one both kind of have blocks that it pulls from so like each time you play maybe slight alterations to the layout uh will be a little bit different but item placement enemy spawns all of that stuff will be totally different so you know maybe a door will be closed on this playthrough or something all kinds of things so it'll be slightly different one playthrough could end up feeling totally different depending on the items you get and stuff though like items can really drastically alter the way you play the game you know getting an item that happens to send out homing rockets versus getting an item that happens to make you invisible for every time you get hit by an enemy or things like that yeah have you played risk of rain 2 on switch i noticed that that came out on switch I haven't actually. I've uh, only played it on PC. Uh, when it first came out, somebody in the group got it, and when you bought it, when it was in early access, you got two copies of the game. Someone in the group gifted it to me, so hmm, I've just cool. been sticking with it on PC. It's been working well for me. Nice. There's something about roguelikes. You can just spend almost an infinite amount of time playing them because every role is different. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, on the roguelikes one, um, you know, there's a couple other in my list that I'm going to get to. Um, but why don't you go ahead and share a game on your list? Sure. So the biggest game I played in 2020, without question, was Red Dead Redemption 2. And it took me actually three years to finish the game. I started it in November of 2018, I think, right when it came out. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's like the war and peace of video games. I mean, it just takes so long and it's such a deep and involving thing. Um, and it's very austere and sort of serene. I mean, a really unique game. I can't remember ever playing a game like that. I mean, it's mechanically kind of similar to GTA five another rockstar game, but it's, um, so much bigger and deeper. So anyway, Red Dead Redemption two is something I finally finished in 2020. I was really excited to finally finish it. I really enjoyed the story and, Prior to finishing the game, I actually had spent, I don't know how long, probably like 20 20 or 30 hours sort of just fucking around, you know, just like finding random adventures. I did the same sort of thing in Fallout 4. Right, And actually, that was probably what I enjoyed the most about that game, just the random experiences, which are unscripted. 
So, but after finishing the game, after finishing the story of Red Dead Redemption 2, I really enjoyed it and uh, can definitely see why everybody considered it sort of the game of the year in the year that it was released. Messing um, around. And I look forward to actually going back to it and playing it again. Not the story stuff, but just just the usual fucking around on a horse. Yeah, just tons of fun. Really love that game. That was kind of the biggest, right. you know, sort of investment of time in, in terms of like games I played that I finished in 2020. And I guess a lot of people listening to this podcast have already played that and beat it, but maybe some people haven't. And if you haven't, you should definitely check it out. And um, amazing game. It looks amazing. Amazing graphics. So lifelike. So detailed. Especially when you compare it to something like Cyberpunk. I mean, it's like night and day the comparison between those two. Right. Like, uh, you know, I look forward to getting back into it, too. I think I would want to dive back into online at some point because the story is just as great as the writing and acting and some of the set pieces are and stuff. It's so long and time consuming, but uh, they keep adding to the online. And I love being in that world and just kind of like, you know, the just you you really feel like a part of it just the way the animations are done all the little subtle nuances and stuff it's really you know pretty special so much yeah. detail so much detail it's unbelievable yeah so yeah i you know it kind of reminds me a little bit of i mean if you take the story component out right which is like half the game is like the story which the story is amazing of course but i mean even if you leave that part out there's still a ton of interesting experience to be had there. It kind of reminds me of if you took the story out of Red Dead Redemption 2, it'd be something a little bit like Breath of the Wilds. You know, my experience of that was just sort of like wandering around and just sort of finding adventure in, you know, you don't know what you'll find around that mountain or around that hill and a little bit of a similar feeling there. I really enjoyed that about Breath of the Wild. And maybe replaying Breath of the Wild would be easier because there pretty much is no story. <laughs> it's all just mechanics and exploration. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, would be, uh, like, I don't know. It would be a really kind of relaxing experience, I think, compared to getting into Red Dead. Red Dead just, I don't know, like, Breath of the Wild's so open-ended, you know, like, kind of everything's kind of progress towards the end game, you know, but, like, you can go about it any way you want. Yeah, yeah. But like, uh, so much of the stuff in red dead is, is, you know, kind of meaningful and, and kind of cool that it's there, but, but, you know, doesn't actually really help progress things in the game, you know, like getting a new mustache or buying a new vest or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's way more that you can do in red dead redemption too. So uh, a much more detailed game overall. Yeah. So uh, up next for me is probably the highest profile game I played last year, and it was Ghost of Tsushima. Sushi, yep. Ghost of yeah. Ghost of Toshiba. <laughs> I'm surprised that but, oh, well, a lot of places consider this to be game of the year, and of all the you know games which were talked about as like the game of the year, I mean this is definitely the one that I thought was the most unique, the most interesting, the one which stood out the most. Um, it's a really unique game. I mean, it does not... Nothing else looks like that game. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of blown away by the level of fidelity it has, the kind of the low HUD element aspect of it, just kind of the way that they, they use the guiding wind, you know, instead of like a traditional, you know, kind of mini-map or something. Uh, it's really cool. It, 
the world is fun. The combat and everything's great. I uh, I got sucked back into it with Legends, and I've been playing with buddies online. It's really fun. In fact, I think I enjoy it maybe more than Red Dead. Just for the... I mean, it's so immediately gratifying. Whereas Red Dead, um, a lot of other games, you kind of need to invest, you know... a little bit more time in before you feel like you're getting something out of it because of Tsushima you know it's like I go in and play like one mission or something and I feel I feel good about it you know yeah Red Dead Redemption uh, feels like reading a book or something it doesn't feel like yeah a traditional video game absolutely uh so I mean Ghost of Tsushima was developed by Sucker Punch they have you know kind of already done the open world thing fairly well with infamous and you know they've i mean they're talented devs you know so um it's not super surprising or anything you can even see you know infamous's kind of impact on the game with the way that gene is like traversing when he's climbing and stuff mm-hmm but uh, yeah, I mean, I Can you just like describe the, to me Legends the Legends DLC. What, what is that exactly? Well, the whole game is really grounded in historical reality, you know. Whereas, like Legends, has some fun with it. It's it reminds me a little bit of maybe uh, Undead Nightmare for Red Dead One or something. It's like separate from the main game, goes into the supernatural. Um, it it's still got a very serious tone like the main game does but it's you know with Mm -hmm. demons and stuff like that there's even a like the higher difficulties and stuff start to have some puzzle elements and stuff where you work together with your teammate cooperatively to you know you each attune your sword to different elemental things and can jump on platforms so you have to time your jump so like your teammate has like a moon attunement and you have a sun attunement and you like have to work together to do this team-based platforming segment or something the enemies are very very different from the main game with different abilities and stuff like some of them can heal all of their teammates things like that you know so it really mixes up the main game just enough to keep it fresh and uh it's not very long so it's kind of designed to be replayed at higher difficulties and stuff to grind for higher gear but they add new new things in the higher difficulties and stuff you feel like you're still making progress you know the levels feel different when you play on different difficulties and stuff so it's cool it's a lot of fun and you it has like a survival mode which is up to four player cooperative you can get some cool abilities i've been enjoying playing as ronin a lot and he has this ability i've upgraded him and i can like uh let's say all my teammates went down i can activate the ability and revive all my teammates and all of the demons around any of us will catch fire which is just like makes you feel like a total fucking badass to instantly revive your whole team and set fire to everyone around you. Yeah, the game looks awesome. The game looks amazing. Um, I love the visual aesthetic. I love the Seven Samurai Kira Kurosawa sort of vibe to the whole thing. What a unique game, you know. I think that um, a lot of a lot of games are just 
so similar, you know, it's so familiar and they're just set in the same places and feature the same sort of mechanics. It's great to see something refreshing and new and something that has like a really bold, interesting take, especially one that's tied in with history. So, I mean, I really look forward to playing that game. I haven't played it yet, but uh, I certainly will eventually. Cool, cool. What you got next on your list? Um, next, I got uh, what, definitely what is my favorite game that I played, uh, which was released in 2020, which is the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remaster. Really fantastic, like surprisingly yeah. good remaster. Shockingly good, shockingly good. I mean, we've seen a lot of remasters sort of flop and fall and disappoint. And I mean, this is the first one I think that I can recall that is like flawless. I mean, there's not a single criticism that I have for the entire game. I'm really hard pressed to think of games that I don't have any criticism at all for, but I feel that this game is about as close to perfect as you can get, provided that you're a fan of the original Tony Hawk Pro Skater series. I right. mean, maybe the gameplay is a bit, you know, dated because it is a series from the nineteen nineties, but I don't think it is, so it's it's close to perfect in my mind. And what an amazing trip down memory lane. I mean the game is so deep with nostalgia it's almost like it looks and plays exactly the way that it does in your head if you go back and play like the original game on playstation or on gamecube it looks like garbage right but you don't remember it like that you remember it like looking perfect well that's how the remaster looks and it just performs flawlessly it's 60 fps it's beautiful the soundtrack's amazing it's untouched it's the same soundtrack i mean it's really like a time capsule game Almost in kind of a similar way as the, by the way, this is very current news from this week, the GoldenEye 007 remaster leak, which was originally supposed to be an Xbox Live Advance game on the Xbox 360 from 2007, just leaked on the internet. And that looks amazing too. When you see these sort of like legendary timeless tier of games remastered, that's just a beautiful thing to see. So Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, I, I finished both of those just had so much fun playing it i mean that's the type of game you can go back to forever pretty much i don't think it's ever gonna get like stale and uh we played it a lot together we we hosted a couple tony hawk pro skater uh, competitions um i remember you beating me so uh, you're really good at the game (laughs) and which is which is uh you know great hat tip props to you because uh i'm pretty good at the game too anyway super enjoyable i i highly recommend that game um amazing to see a remaster so well done i hope that more classic games especially from the early playstation era which you know you tend not to see a lot of those games remaster where's the metal gear solid remaster uh well metal gear solid got a complete remake but that was back on the gamecube twin snakes oh yeah i know but i mean like a proper modern remaster and i mean final fantasy 7 is another one where's the remaster i don't want a remake I want a remaster. I want the exact same game with just 16 by 9 higher resolution assets and the exact same music. Don't change the music. Yeah. Well, that is available online if you want it, but I mean most people don't want to go through the hassle of doing that. Like, you know, oh, yeah. seeking no, that's out like those a that's like a bootleg and... user created one. Not not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I feel um, you. yeah, Tony Hawk Pro Skater that was of all the releases in 2020 which i played and finished that was definitely my favorite yeah so um and 
let's see, another game I spent quite a bit of time on this past year, which kind of came out of left field for me. I know you've been interested in checking it out, but I've been waiting for it to come to the Switch. That's been Monster Train. Uh, You know, you and I both got really into um, Slay the Spire for quite a while. Uh, I still have come back to it a few times. Uh, Monster Train really kind of hit that itch a little bit better than Slay the Spire did, though. I did recently start playing Slay the Spire again, uh, the Downfall mod, which is really easy to install on Steam. Uh, but it makes the game fresh. He plays the monsters and stuff. But I'm playing Monster Train already, playing as the monsters. It it kind of really adds some things that, that really change the genre up quite a bit you know, and make it very different. It, it was nominated to the Game Awards in 2020 for the best strategy tactics games. It lost the Crusader Kings 3, but I mean, I think, you know, it deserves, you know, attention from people and has been continually seeing, you know, regular huge updates to the game. It's a lot of fun mm-hmm. and very different from, as I said, most of the other stuff out there. You're defending the core of this train. Uh, you're into battles and, and making, you know, impactful decisions a lot more and more immediately than you would be in something, say, like Slay the Spire. And there are different levels to the battlefield. So, you know, you have to worry about uh, enemy placement as well as where you place your own units. There's a lot of strategy to it. And it's really fast. So it, it's just a little bit more engaging for me. I wish I had the opportunity to play it. Like I said, I've been waiting for it to come out on Switch. I've followed some of the discussion online. It appears unlikely to ever come to Switch, unfortunately. I think it just has to do with you know, the economic hardship of porting the game to a new platform. I have no doubt that it would be a huge success on Switch, but apparently yeah. the game is not enough a, a big a hit on Steam to warrant the port, which is discouraging. But I've heard a lot of great things about it, and uh, it sounds like fun. Yeah, I hope you get to try it out at some point. Yeah, also, it's not even available on Mac, so even if I wanted to play it on my laptop, I couldn't. So Yeah, um, it's a bummer. You know, yeah. But um, yeah. next on my list is uh, actually a game which we played together, which is not a 2020 release, but um, we played and finished A Way Out together at the beginning oh, yeah. of 2020, I believe, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a cooperative sort of prison break game. I think it's heavily influenced by the TV series Prison Break. So, yeah, it's a game. It's very cinematic, a lot of quick time elements. It's sort of a split screen game, which you can play online or locally, where you're cooperating to break out of a prison. And um, we got it on sale. I think it's totally worth it. I think we paid something like $15 for it. But yeah. Yeah, I haven't ever played anything like that. I thought it was really fun. Probably about two, three hours, about the length of a movie. I mean, I thought it was uh, just kind of really cool for doing something different. You know, the writing wasn't the best writing around. The gameplay wasn't the best 
gameplay around but it wasn't too long and it was fun and unique you know it was, i thought it had some really genuinely exciting moments for us and i think we both kind of cracked up a lot just playing it together just be like hold up bro like i just gotta get in a few more pull-ups i know we're supposed to be progressing <laughs> the story but I, i'm i'm getting ripped over here <laughs> yeah know? it's fun like, it's fun i mean it's a it's not a serious heavy you know deep game but um it's goofy fun you know and it's it's short i like that length i don't like to get stuck in you know 30 hour long games unless it's something like breath of the wild or red dead redemption 2 but this was a really fun good short one yeah absolutely yeah glad we got around to it right we have been uh, looking at that game for well over a year wait for it to go on sale that's the type of game you want to get on sale you don't want to pay full retail for that one I think it's uh it's uh, the same guy that made Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. Yeah, that makes perfect uh, sense. Yeah, which is also it's like a single player cooperative game, which was interesting where you're controlling two brothers at the same time. So yeah, I don't know. Cool stuff. I I appreciate what he's doing, you know. Uh, next up on my list is uh, actually something that I started this year but released last year. <clears throat> it's Noida. And uh, actually, uh, Dan Engel recommended this to me. He got super hooked on it. I think he's got two to 300 hours in it. It's oh my a God. roguelike. Yeah. It's developed by NOLA Games which is in Helsinki, Finland. And it was founded by three guys, Petri Purho, who made Cran Physics Deluxe, Ali Harjola, The Swapper, and RV Taikera, who made Baba Is You. So quite pedigreed, you know, small indie studio. And Noida is Finnish for which... It's uh, partly inspired by this game, Lero, which is this old MS-DOS game, which is like a multiplayer game, but you're like knocking around, fighting people, destroying all the pixels in this environment. And what's cool about this game is, you know, like every single pixel has been coded with its own physics-based attributes so like you know let's say you uh shoot a barrel uh maybe you'll pop a hole in the side of that barrel and oil will pull out pour out of it and pour down a hill and you can set fire to the oil and you know things like that like uh you can blow holes in walls all kinds of things it's not like a uh, gungeon or dead cells or something where you know you get these continual upgrades and feel this constant sense of progression it's uh kind of overwhelming the information it gives you because you can like craft these wands and um you know they can do anything from teleport an enemy near you and shotgun them in the face to you know freezing the entire screen or all kinds of stuff so it's really very weird but the like uh, aesthetic quality of it you know watching things catch fire and burn around you and smoke billow up and collect at the top of the screen it looks fucking cool and it's fun kind of getting lost in the world they've created and all of this kind of finished folklore and stuff it's a whole bunch of like monsters names after mythological creatures from that region 
Nice. It looks a lot like Risk of Rain, the first one. Yeah, but it's uh it's a little bit slower and more methodical. You'd play it, you know, similar to the way you would play Dark Souls or something, you know, take your time, you know, look out for traps, things like that, you know. Interesting, yeah. yeah. All right, what do you got next on your list? Um there's just like a couple other things I'd like to take note of. Uh, one game uh, I got into this year again, but released last year. It's a self-published game by this guy, Krish Rikumar. And uh, he it's his first game. Um, he's kind of more of like a spiritual guy. And he made this game to uh, like assist with meditation. It's called Plane. And it's more of an application than a game. There is a sandbox mode kind of like, you know, where you can create your own meditation space and everything. But it's just been like kind of... Uh, cool fun tool to kind of motivate me to get back into meditation and everything where you uh time has stopped on this island and uh as you meditate you start to cause time to flow again and uh the longer you spend in the game meditating the more growth and life will come back to it so it's like kind of a metaphor it's cool nice and uh Let's see the uh, the other thing I want to make note of. Probably my favorite game I played this past year. Um, it did see a release, I think, last year of uh, the remake. I played the original for the first time last year was Catherine. Catherine fucking blew me away. Like, blew me away. I cannot praise it highly enough. It's uh, the... Uh, wow. Same team that made Persona, but unlike the Persona games, it's not, you know, like a 200-hour RPG. It's actually a uh, relatively short puzzle platforming game. But the interesting dynamic of it is that all of the uh, primary gameplay happens in these nightmare sequences you have at every night when you go to sleep. During the daytime, you have cutscenes that are superbly handled uh animated you know that have uh conversations at this bar every night you can play arcade games at the bar talk to people influence things in the nightmare and everything but really interesting story about like love betrayal uh honesty or i should say dishonesty actually but uh very interesting and one of the best pieces of storytelling and mature stories I've seen told in a unique way in the gaming medium period. Wow. It's that sounds really awesome. Good. You said you played the remaster. Yeah. What platform is that on? Uh, the, the remake, it's a full on remake. And part of the reason I didn't want to play the remake is that, uh, they made some changes to the story. They add an additional character that I heard kind of switches it up. And I wanted to experience the original. The remake is on steam switch PS4 and maybe Xbox one. I'm not sure about Xbox, but I think, it's on all platforms it is a stellar game i highly recommend it if you know to anyone who has even a passing interest in puzzle games and it you know anyone who enjoys you know a more mature story even if you don't enjoy them the story i mean the uh the gameplay you 
you know, you can lower the difficulty and get a lot out of the story. I see the game here on Steam, Catherine Classic, and I see a review of it. Yeah. Which is very long. One, two, three, five paragraph review. Yeah. I mean, like wow. I said, I was kind of obsessed with it. I'm still playing it. There's a bunch of different endings to it and stuff. So uh, ZZ got interested in it, actually, and was watching me for a while. Uh, it's just a really cool game. There's some light multiplayer elements to it, too, if you want to play with someone. But, I mean, you know, the core of the game is that that single player. I see. Cool. Yeah. Well, one game, the sort of elephant in the room here, I think, is the notorious um, Cyberpunk 2077, which yeah. many believed would be the game of 2020. <laughs> I guess we should give at least some passing commentary on that game. We were both, I mean, everybody was super excited for the game based on all the promises of the developer, CD Projekt Red, all the game, the quote gameplay footage. Um, the hype was through the roof, off the charts, unbelievable for this game. And um, at least for consoles, man, did it disappoint. Um, so I, I mean, actually played the game it, for about 90 minutes or so and just couldn't continue. The performance was so bad on the PlayStation 4, I just couldn't stick with it. I know that you played it more than I did, and I'm kind of curious to hear what your thoughts on it are. Okay, so... Um like, I would say that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of abysmal performance when you look at something like I came in fresh off of Ghost of Tsushima, you know, like uh, it almost feels kind of inexcusable, uh, especially with the crashes and stuff. But I have played it more recently and uh, it's been patched quite a bit it, it is definitely playable now it's uh not the perfect game but i mean i can make comparisons to say something like vampire the masquerade bloodlines <coughs> which has a sequel coming out soon that that i'm interested in you know because it was kind of before i was like uh you know like uh, I don't know if a sequel could hold up and we've got Cyberpunk coming out and nothing's going to hold up to that. But uh, Cyberpunk right. was a huge disappointment. But everybody I know who actually spent serious time with the game really adores Cyberpunk. Um, I, as I said, I've enjoyed it even on PS4. I kind of wish I got it for PC. Uh, I have friends playing on 1060s and stuff with, uh, you know, better performance than I get on the PS4. So I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I'm I'm probably, you know, in the next month or two going to get around to finishing up the story um, on this playthrough. And I'd like to wait and see, you know, how CD Projekt Red handles this and check out the game again in like a year or two. See what yeah, sort of I'm DLC looking forward they to playing add, it. patches. Yeah. I'm going to play it for sure. And I plan on finishing it. I'm not sure when that is, but it seems like the game is going to be vastly improved, I would guess. And not just the console versions. I mean, the performance is bad on PS4. They might be able to make marginal improvements there. Um, now I kind of think maybe they sh just should have skipped the old platforms and just release it just on pc and like next gen you know or current gen consoles like playstation 5 
but I'm yeah, going to play it I anyway. Mean, and I'm looking forward to doing that. I mean, I love the game setting. Um, if you're playing on like a super PC, the game looks amazing. Although with that yeah. said, I mean, the PC version still does have like a ton of problems. So it's not like the PC version is without issue and the console version is broken. It's a little bit more complex than that. But this game just seems a little bit undercooked. So we'll see how it is in a couple months, I guess. But I'm looking forward to playing it eventually. I'm not really in any rush. So it has been a remarkable thing to observe. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of unprecedented. We've never seen anything kind of anything of that scale. I don't think we've seen a game hyped up as much as that game, let alone that scale of, you know, kind of disappointment. I mean, the closest kind of thing that comes to mind is No Man's Sky, but yep. I don't think it even compares. It's bigger, but it is like that. It's like No Man's Sky, and even before that, it was like Spore, the Will Wright game. That game also had right. like a ton of hype and interest and totally flopped. I mean, it got review-bombed, you know, just like Cyberpunk did. So a little bit of a similar situation, but it seems like the the lying and deception of CD Projekt Red in the Cyberpunk 2077 launch run-up was like unprecedented. I mean, the 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 amount of deception was like really incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else that, let's say, you know, you were kind of excited about last year, but didn't get around to? I know for me, you know, I, I had been kind of really interested in um, a couple of games like uh, Carry On, Devolver Digital Game where you're playing as like it's kind of a reverse horror game where you're playing as a monster oh yeah and uh that looked cool i still haven't got around to that um i also wanted to uh to check out super liminal which is like a perspective based puzzle game that looks like kind of a super mind fuck. I like stuff like that. So, and I haven't got to check that out. Is there anything? Oh, and Half Life Alex, I was intending to play at this past job of mine that did not work out, sadly. Yeah, that's and the I big Half Life Alex is the big one. I mean, yeah. Ghost of Tsushima, I'll play eventually, but Half Life Alex, I mean, that looks like the most intriguing game of the year for me. Like, if I could only play one game from 2020, it would be Half Life Alex. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. So, cool. yeah, um, what else in 2020? Um, those two are the first ones that come to mind. Maybe Spelunky 2, you know, although it doesn't look better than the original. So Yeah, um, it doesn't it looks look like, like the same a huge sort of thing, improvement. To be I'm sure Which fans the originals of it, you know, appreciate having more. The original's what? The original is like a timeless classic. I mean, it's one of the original games which sort of popularized the roguelike genre so it's it's great two looks cool too i mean i'll, I'll check it out you know but i haven't played it um but what else in terms of 2020 releases um i think those are the ones which really stand out uh doom eternal i'd like to play that check that out yeah i wanted to uh to play outer wilds not outer worlds but uh outer wilds yeah. But it's not at the top of my list or anything. It's the kind of game that I'll get around to eventually. Um, Outer Worlds got really hyped up, but I'm not super interested in it. I'd rather... I still haven't played Fallout New Vegas. I haven't. I'd rather play that than play Outer Worlds, to be honest. Yeah, I hear you. 
All right. Yeah. Well, this has been a fun time recording this podcast. It's good to get back on the podcast after many, many months of not recording any podcast. And um, yeah. shoot, what a special year this has been. I mean, the amount of time that we've all spent indoors over the last year is really unprecedented. And although a lot of games were you know, canceled, a lot of games were delayed, there were a lot of great games from 2020. And uh, we've definitely done a roundup of some of the most notable ones for us. So to yeah. everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Hope you had a good time playing games in 2020. And it's nice to do Don't. a year back uh, retrospective. Absolutely. Until next time. Later. All right. <laughs>